Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. This episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast goes out to Steve Bush, Saul Hogarth, and Craig. You can join these super fans and a growing community of patrons at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Uh, get early access to shows, original art, behind the scenes look at what goes on at Major Spoilers, and more exclusive content. Plus the great satisfaction knowing that you're keeping our shows going week after week. It's all over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Go over there, check it out, sign up today. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, choose your own adventure, design your own variant, pick up your own sword, bite your own victims, plus make your own voice heard for the kick-butt poll of the week, while we all wonder what is the Harcourt legacy. How many miles to the gallon will it get in the city? And more importantly, like the, the world's most awesome superhero team, the Major Spoilers crew brings together our mighty powers for the best in pop culture entertainment, earth, air, fire, water, pork ribs by our powers combined the major spoilers podcast is on the air welcome to issue seven seven eight of the major spoilers podcast thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week this eighth day of may huh i think somebody has a birthday hmm. anyway let's get oh, into some news i wonder what it could be is it you it's not me uh, we have a question on graphic novels or single issues also are we hitting a, a variant tipping point and Boom Studios launches a talking tour. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny. Let's see where it lands. Oh, here we are at uh, Variant Tipping Points. Now, uh, this mm. week, Marvel Comics announced that when the uh, Tony Stark Iron Man number one launches from Dan Slott, and uh, I think Stuart Eminen is the one doing the art on that, it will have... I think it's Valerio Sheedy. Oh, that's who it is. That's right. It is. That's why. It will have 20 variant covers. Every single Iron Man uh, uh, suit that you could want is going to be on that. You can you can pick out your own favorite costume, whether it's one or 42 or 16. There may be a variant cover for you. Got me thinking. Mm -hmm. Are we getting close to a variant tipping point? Because it seems like everybody today, especially with big launches uh will have like four variant covers or in the case of i forget the company that matthew and i are always joking about on the dueling review podcast um they'll have 16 variant covers every month for this for this series and i seem to remember back in the day matthew mm -hmm. uh gen 13 was coming out that's I true they, they had like 13 different covers that you could yes. get 13 covers of issue 13 and man, people went crazy trying to scramble and, and grab those things. Here's the other thing I remember about that. Not getting the ones that I wanted, but that was kind of a, the last bell for the high point of, of 90s excess and comics. Because after that, stores started closing and it became harder to find 
comics from certain publishers because they were having a hard time. Heck, this is even the time when Marvel was having huge financial problems. Uh-huh. And now I see the same thing happening again with so many variant covers spilling out left and right. And I have to wonder, are we hitting that tipping point again? Mm, I think so. But I've been saying this for a couple of years now. When Walking Dead 100 came out with, what was it, 15, 16 alternate covers? Oh, yeah. Or even when uh, the Justice League um, New 52 stuff launched and they had 52 covers or a cover for every state with the, uh, that was, the Avengers. That was Avengers. U.S. Avengers number one. Yeah. I feel like it's the problem that you run into is that it does pop sales. And anything that will pop sales is something that, you know, the publishers are 100% behind. And I think that the problem you get into is when someone is buying 20 copies of the same innards to have 20 copies. Yeah, it does give you more sales and it definitely gives you, you know, I can tell you right now that we're probably going to see Iron Man number one being the number one or number two book in the month that it comes out. Yeah. Now, the one thing that they don't list on this is if these are all one to ones or Mm -hmm. if there's like a one in 200 version of this uh, Iron Man cover, meaning you the um, store owner has to order 200 copies of Iron right. Man in order to get this one that has this one variant cover. And my God, if there's people in your store who want, you know, more, uh, right. there's more than one person who wants that one cover. He has to order like 400 to try to get it or work something else out. Um, you're right that publishers like the variants because it does increase sales. And interestingly, from what I understand is variant covers can help the comic shop as well, because they may be able to order uh, you know, a hundred copies and get that one in 100 variant or that one in 1000 variant. Yep. And then they just turn around and they sell it for, you know, 10 times or a hundred times the cover price and are able to make their money back on all those, those other issues that they had to buy. And then of course <laughs> they make the, the dollar on the dollar bin sales in, in three months. <laughs> right. I think the big problem that we have with these particular covers for me is not the fact that there are variants, it's the fact that the artist is not actually drawing the armors as they actually originally looked, not mentioning anything called the silver centurion armor, which looks entirely wrong. But that's, you know, that's a nerd argument. There's the other argument to be made, which is, are they gaming the system? Are they guaranteeing some sort of buzz or some sort of high sales talk or, hey, this book is our, our latest instant hit? Because there is a percentage of the audience that will buy all the variants or buy oh, multiple man. variants and and pop the sales on this particular book through the roof. And I mean, that's a I mean, that's a good strategy. I can see where you're coming from on, on that. And that would be mm-hmm. interesting to see what happens in in those uh, sales. I think this comes out in August um, or yeah, something like that, because the final cutoff, if you want one of these these uh, variants is coming up. But I can see okay. that as a way to pump that up in, in sales. Mm-hmm. The problem though, Rodrigo is, Hey, you want, you know, you want this, uh, this Iron Man cover and it's a one in 200 mm-hmm. and you're a small store. You're taking a big risk on ordering 200 copies just to get that one variant that you may be able to sell for, you know, a hundred dollars or $200 online. Right. 
This could yeah. put you, and this was the problem with what happened in the '90s. Is people were like, "Oh yeah, we're going to be able to sell these these uh, variants left and right. We'll be able to charge sixty bucks a, a, a cover. Yeah, let's order a thousand of these." And then they realize, "Oh, I have to pay for a thousand comics." <laughs> and so this. And then really Ron Howard them. came in and said they couldn't. Yeah, and so I'm I'm wondering what your reaction is to this, Rodrigo. If this is good sense or not. Well, it, it really depends because we we really don't know what exactly is going on behind the scenes. What sort of ordering scheme they yeah, they have one, going but, on I mean, right you go and look at sure just do a, in a category search for variant covers uh on the major spoiler site and you'll see some of these that list that this is a one and 200 yeah. uh like these amazing spider-man 800 so far i think there's like eight of them uh that are coming yeah. out and and that has always been the issue not just with variant covers but actually with really kind of the industry in general is that when you look at where the stress point is, it's all the shops, right? Mm-hmm. They have to take the biggest risk. They have to make their money back. They're the ones that have to put in the investment to order a particular comic or 500 issues of a particular comic just to hope to get something back. Um, if all the stress is in on the comic shop as opposed to some on the publisher and some of the, um, uh, you know, some of the general audience, whoever's buying the comics, then uh, it, it does cause problems and it mm-hmm. can cause enough pressure that, you know, at the very least they're going to have a, a, any given comic book store is going to have a bad quarter. If not enough people know what a Prometheum armor is, mm-hmm. um, so I never made a Prometheum, duh. Yeah, I I really thought that was the Heroes Reborn armor. It is. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, uh, Heroes Reborn armor was made of Prometheum. Gotcha. Well, well there well, you go. Here's another example. So this was uh, earlier this year. Dark Horse announced uh, the Super Mario Encyclopedia variant covers. And what these were was this uh, look at at Super Mario Brother uh, Super mm-hmm. Mario Brothers over the years, and as an encyclopedia of everything. And they had four variant covers. You have the flower cover, the star cover, a green mushroom, red mushroom. The thing is, these were blind variants. So if you wanted to get one of them, you'd be okay. And you didn't care which one you'd get, you'd be okay. But if you wanted to get one of each one, you'd never know which one you were getting. You couldn't order a specific one. And these books were have an SRP when these come out in October of this year, SRP of 80 bucks. And fans are going nutsoid over this. Yeah. 80 bucks for whatever copy you want. Yeah. For the, uh, for the super Mario encyclopedia. What? Uh, it's an encyclopedia of everything. Mario. Uh, yeah. It's like a big hardcover book. Yeah, it's a big it's like the Hyrule thing. historia yeah, or yeah, whatever, yeah. which was a huge Guys. seller for, for, um, I think dark horse had that one. Yep. Dark horse had that. Guys, you guys, I have, uh, they've redeemed themselves. I'm officially on board with this alternate cover thing. Why? They have the nose armor. Well, I mean, uh, that's great. I mean, but I, but the question is, <laughs> I mean, are variant covers hurting the industry, helping the industry, or is this a sign of things to come? I think that this is a sign of less than positive things to come. I think that this is a sign of the industry forgetting the lessons of 1994, 1995. And 
whether that makes me, you know, the Cassandra screaming in the darkness or not, I really feel like this is a worrisome sign because there was a time in 92, 93 when Marvel had nearly every comic come out with a regular cover and an incentive cover, mm-hmm, something that's mm-hmm. like, you know, glow in the dark or pop yeah, and up. It was like or, one in 10 or something like that. Yeah. Chromium. Chromium. And you have all of these options and really the focus was taken away from what was actually inside the books. So I don't know that that's going to happen here. I can't guarantee that it is or it isn't. And, you know, depending on how you feel about the way comics are right now, you may already believe that things have gone, but I feel like this is it. I don't know that it's a tipping point yet, but I think that it's definitely leaning the sales model, which is not particularly, particularly sturdy right now in a direction that could be very dangerous and could be very problematic. On the other hand, I hope that it's fascinating and awesome and everybody who wants 50 copies of us Avengers number one can get their 50 copies at a decent price. Yeah. So here's the thing. If everything is a one to one, if I can, you know, like uh, DC does this a lot where they will have a main cover and then they'll have the variant cover and you can, if you want the variant cover, order the, the variant cover or order, you know, order the main cover if you want. And it's no big deal. You just order it and it's fine. The ones that I'm concerned about is when it's like, ooh, ladies and gentlemen, this is a one in 100 or one in 1000 edition or a one in 600 edition. Those are the ones that make me worry a lot. And those are the ones yeah. that concern me. When you when you look at things and they're like, oh, digital sales, it's because these companies don't actually care about the brick and mortar. Really, it's stuff like that, right? It's stuff when they force those brick and mortar stores to buy a huge amount of product and puts them backpedaling to sell it in order to get the variants, that's a sign that they don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, we're not we're not saying that that's what's happening with Iron Man because we don't we don't strictly know right now. No, that's I don't what's know. What the, I don't right? know what the um, the rate is on that. It, it could be one to one, which is great. Yeah. If it's one to one, great. Yeah. Everybody go have fun. Um, what this reminds me of, though, is uh, the Chase variant or the uh, limited edition action figure that would come from, from Hasbro and Mattel where it's like, Oh, um, we're going to ship this figure one in every 100 figures. will have this rare figure. And so everybody would be scrambling to go and buy these boxes and we can see what happened to places like toys R us. Likewise, uh, Lego has this thing. It's really, I love these minifigures. Uh, they sell these like series of minifigures. They're just, you know, man in a gorilla costume minifigure. Uh, but they're in blind bags. Uh, they're in blind bags. So you don't know which one has, you know, you, it's really hard to get a complete set unless you buy them online from somebody that has already opened them up and has a complete set uh, or those kinds of things, which is what I do. Um, because otherwise you as a customer are spending a lot more money than, than you should be. If it's one-to-one, Hey, everybody's great. I'm happy with that. Knock yourself out. But when it gets into this, Oh, you can only get this if you have a thousand copies. That's where right. I, I get really, really concerned about this. And you know who's to blame for all of this? Um, if I'm not mistaken, all of this goes back to Legends of the Dark Knight. You are correct. With the pink and the green and the blue and the glavin back yeah, in 1992, 93? Uh, yeah, it was, no, it was 91. Yeah, it was blue and pink. It's the first issue. Blue and pink and yellow and, and uh, green. Those yep. were the four. That's terrible. Yeah. And it was just so like. So it's all Batman's fault. It is. It's always Batman's fault. There you go. Listeners, what do you think about variant points? I want to hear your thoughts, positive and negative. I mean, I really don't have a, my only concern is when you have the, um, you know, you have to buy more in order to get this variant. 
that's a problem that I have with it. And are we seeing a repeat of history or is this something positive for the industry? I want to hear your thoughts. Head over to Majorspoilers.com in the comment section for this episode. Share your thoughts. I know some of you work at comic shops. Some of you have owned comic shops. Uh, some of you are currently uh, closing comic shops. I want to get your thoughts and reactions uh, to this. Uh, now that we're done with some news, let us jump into some reviews. Reviews. Matthew, out last week, you are Deadpool number one. You are, are? Deadpool number one. I hate you. <laughs> nope. Now I'm not speaking to you anymore. <laughs> Hooray. Now go ahead. What, what do we know <sighs> about you are cool. Deadpool? Is this the uh, choose your own now adventure I'm, one? It is. You are Deadpool number one is literally the choose your own adventure books that uh, children of my age and Steven's age actually remember. And actually, according to, to some youngins today, the choose your own adventure books are still alive and well. Oh, well, good. Then the young people will know what I'm talking about for once. Uh, you are Deadpool. Number one, basically posits an adventure where the very first page, well, actually I love the inside cover because the inside cover is his character sheet. Deadpool, his class, very little, his alignment, chaotic, sassy, and it kind of goes through the rules. And on page one, Deadpool is explaining to us what's going on. And as you go through, and I do love this part, you go through the book, they're giving you a tutorial. So you go, if you make this choice, you go to this page. If you make this choice, you go to this page. And then at one point, all of a sudden, Kieran Gillen pops up. And I have no idea why Kieran Gillen is in this because he didn't write the book. But Kieran Gillen and Deadpool have a fight with a sandwich. So if Kieran kills Deadpool, go to page 15. If he doesn't, go to page 16. The thing that's wonderful about this is that it works. And I cannot imagine the amount of work that they had to put into this to make it all work, to make this story meaningful and useful no matter how you read it. And I've gone through this several times and I haven't made all of the choices possible yet. That's the best part. If you go through this and read it page by page by page, there are timeline things and there are bits and pieces that I haven't figured out how to get to on three or four runs through the issue. But that also makes it great for something that a lot of modern comics don't have, which is a rereadability factor. So you can go through this again, read it, and have a different experience. And depending on how your book ends and how you choose to end this story, if you don't die on page 12, you actually total up your points during the issue. So if you kill somebody, you get a badness point. And if something happens that reminds you that you're a hamburger face freak, you get a sadness point. Depending on your score, you may move on to issue two, which is out today. You may move on to issue three, which is out next week, or issue four the week after that. But apparently, according to the writer, uh, Al Ewing, if you get to say you your score is such that you go to issue three, you will still need issue two later on in the series. So somehow this either five or six issue limited series is going to be not only just a single issue, choose your own adventure, but your adventure is going to be going from issue to issue in different order, depending on the choices that you've made. This issue alone is just stylistically and uh, from a construction standpoint, an incredible, terrifying, impressive feat. I have no idea how they did this, and it must have taken forever. 
But the fact that it's Deadpool makes it even cooler because when Deadpool turns to the camera and explains to us the rules, it doesn't feel out of place. Mm-hmm. Deadpool's always breaking the third wall. And so knowing that he's in a comic and knowing that he's now in basically a role-playing game, he's telling us what's going on. Even better, there's a part where it's like, hey, get your scissors and cut out a die for your own Deadpool die. And it's a six-sider die that you can glue together and you can just roll a six-sider. But there's actually a point in the story where something bad happens and Deadpool is like, oh, no, terrible things have happened. I look really stupid. I hope you really did cut up your comic or else I look even more stupid. I love this book, man. This this is really impressive. And the story makes sense is probably not the right word, but it makes it has an internal narrative logic that works even with multiple takes on the same thing. And it doesn't feel fractured or freaky. And at least twice I have killed Deadpool. So I have been personally responsible for ending Marvel's meal ticket. The thing about you are Deadpool though, four slices of meatloaf. This is a really fun, really good book. And it's one of those that it's impressive just to look at it. You look at and read through and you think, my God, the amount of work that went into this, I want to give them extra stars and meatloaf just because of the amount of work they put into it. But I didn't, because that's not how we play here. Four slices of meatloaf for You Are Deadpool, number one. I'm definitely back for the rest of the series. All right, cool. That was out last week, Deadpool. You Are Deadpool, number two, out this week, Matthew says. Also out this week from Dynamite Entertainment, Savage Tales Vampirilla One-Shot. The 48-page uh, uh, one-shot, four ninety nine is the cover price. Um, the cover of this issue is basically an homage or ripoff, depending on uh, your point of view of the original, uh, Conan, the barbarian savage tales, number one from way back in 1971. So it mimics that. And this finds Vampirilla on a strange world with people attacking her and the people who are attacking her are mind controlled. And she has to go and fight the evil wizard and she decimates the wizard and, uh, you know, things happen. She still really doesn't figure out what she's doing there or what's going on. Uh, and then the remainder of the issue, I mean, that's 40, that's not 48 pages. The remainder of the issue is a reprint of the first two issues of the dynamite entertainment, Savage Tales run that they had a couple of years ago. Oh, that's cool. Um, is it because here's the problem. The Vampirilla tale in this is pretty generic. It's in my opinion, really forgettable. The art is really nice. I think it's Jay Bone that's doing the art in this, and I really like his art. If you haven't seen it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of a harder-edged Jeff Smith uh, from Bone. Um, Hmm. But the problem that I have with this is there are multiple errors in the issue as far as dialogue balloons being flip-flop. So one character is saying something and the other character is responding, and it's like, well, wait a minute. Those are the wrong characters that are saying this. Um, there, I'm not a big fan of, Hey, I spent 49 99 for this thing called Vampirilla one shot and essentially half of the book or more is a reprint. Uh, I was not a big fan of that either. And usually I like Vampirilla books from dynamite and generally I like the offerings, uh, from dynamite entertainment, but Savage Tales Vampirilla one shot really kind of left me really kind of left me dry and kind of put off because of the errors and the fact that it's reprints and everything. The art is really c- cool. It's got a cartoony feel to it. It's not like a black, it's not in black and white, like you would expect from a Conan, um, uh, savage tales. Um, so it, you know, it's nice from there. So overall, when you boil down to it, 
Uh, this is a two and a half slices of meatloaf for me. If you've never read Savage Tales before and you want to get those reprints in this, this is great because essentially you're getting two complete stories. Uh, unfortunately, this is a one shot. And even though the ending seems fairly definite, there's a lot of open endedness in this story as far as Vampirilla is concerned that they could continue this if they want to. Um, but the story was just somewhat generic. Oh, look at this world. Look at this place. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's <laughs> complete? Let me go kill some guys because I need blood. Um, so Savage Tales. By Crom. Yes, by Crom. Uh, by Crom. Uh, Savage Tales Vampirilla one shot, two and a half slices of meatloaf from me. Oh man, we're covering the gamut here. Three weeks worth of comet comics. Last week from Matthew, this week from me. Rodrigo's going to take us into the future. Oh, the future. With a tale from uh, Dark Horse Comics coming out next week. Yes, to the future by way of the past. Back in the age of samurai when people were rabbits. <laughs> or something. Uh, so yes, I'm looking at Usagi Yojimbo, The Hidden, number three. Um, Stan Sakai continues his ongoing stories of Usagi Yojimbo, uh, the little rabbit who is also a super cool samurai. Uh, this is uh, issue three of seven. So we are like just like waist deep in a murder mystery and like a contraband, like uh, kind of a little bit of a investigation, like who done it type situation um so you know not not enough has been revealed to be like aha it was that guy so this issue is kind of um has a lot of information in it a lot of stuff that i feel is going to be important later but doesn't necessarily pay off right away Uh, what is great about it is there is a scene in which uh, Usagi and the constable that he is helping go to see a uh, a dealer of sorts, uh, sort of a a, uh, um, a foreign goods dealer, and Usagi Yojimbo is set in a period of Japanese history. Again, ignore the puppies and kittens. Uh, where uh, it was very tightly controlled what sort of like cultural artifacts were allowed to be brought into the country. So in at the center of all this is people bringing in foreign objects into Japan and whether that's legal or not or whatever. So they go to see this uh, dealer and, um, you know, it, it advances the the story because he's somehow involved in this this mystery that's already killed two samurai uh, but the the best part is you have almost this full splash, like double page spread. It's not quite all the the full two pages, but it is it does cut across of the um, of the dealer's shop, and there's just all kinds of stuff to look at. I'm sure that some of these are references that I'm just not getting. There's kind of like a savage like frazetta rabbit fighting a dinosaur in the foreground for some reason um there's like all kinds of stuff on the shelves some of this seems really anachronistic i don't know if that's on purpose or if i'm just uh not up with what was happening when during japanese history uh what's kind of disappointing about it is on the cover of this comic there's a statue 
and you see the statue in the collector's place, and it doesn't actually seem to have anything to do with the story. I was hoping that, you know, since it's on the cover and it's in here and it's very prominent that it was actually going to be something. Maybe later we'll come back to it. You never know. Um, but it was not. Um, it, it, it was. It wasn't. It didn't take the 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 place in the story that I expected. Uh, there's some action here, some mystery, some you know bribing miscreants for information. It's it's an old school sort of detective story. And at the end, there's a Chibi Tomoe uh, one page comic. Um, so that's cool. There's a ninja elephant in it. That's kind of awesome. Ninja elephant. Uh, yep. All together, I'm going to give this four slices of meatloaf. I really like Usagi Yojimbo. I think, you know, if you're following the story, um, it's kind of a, I mean, it's it's like a slower paced sort of detective story, but it's always great to look at. The action's always really great. And, you know, I mean, who's not invested in Usagi Yojimbo, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody loves Usagi. Yojimbo. Everybody loves a rabbit with a sword. A samurai rabbit, if you will. A samurai mm-hmm. rabbit. Isn't he a Ronin Should... though? Technically, no. He <laughs> is. Um, he doesn't have. Well, he might technically be a Ronin, but because he is um, officially a bodyguard type samurai, I ah. think. He doesn't have to be beholden to a lord as long as he is like seeking um, gainful employment. He might right. technically qualify as a Ronin. I think Ronin is a uh, specific kind of, term. Yeah, it's. I think it's a specific term for a samurai that has specifically gone rogue. Ah, okay. Right. There you go. All right. He's a wandering minstrel. I appe- No, wait. That's there you sorry. go. There are some reviews for you and listeners. You can head over to Majorspoilers.com and check out even more reviews and more reviews in the future. You can also check out the Major Spoilers Poll of the Week. Week, 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 Oh, man. Week, who's week, seen that Avengers Infinity Wars? Not I. I certainly have. I even saw it in Topeka. I'm surprised, Matthew, you didn't come down and see it with me. We could drink beers and watch Avengers The Infinity War. You didn't invite me or tell me you were here. I said, hey, in this tweet that I said to you, I said, hey, man, (laughs) I'm going to go see Avengers Infinity War at eight o'clock. Is this place first come, first serve? Or do we or do we need a reserve? uh, Do we need to reserve in advance? You're like, no, I think it's first come, first serve. So I just thought that you would take it upon yourself to say, (laughs) well, Steven's going to go see Avengers Infinity War. I'm going to go see it with him. And we can drink beer while we're waiting to get into the theater. That that's how this works. Yep. So anyway, plausible deniability. Okay. Avengers Infinity War. Infinity War. The, the guy, the Thanos guy, that new character in the Fortnite. He's trying to get these gems, these infinity gems to give him all the powers in the universe. Right. It got me thinking of all of the stones or gems. I'm sorry. Gems. Gems. Which one would you. Comics. Which one would you want the most? Would you want the the soul stone or the soul gem, which allows you to steal, control, manipulate, and alter living and dead souls? Would you want the time gem, which allows the user to see into the past and the future, stop, slow down, speed up, or reverse the flow of time, time travel, change the past and the future, age and de-age beings, trap people in an entire universe of endlessly looping time? Or would you want the space gem that allows you to exist in any location, move any object anywhere through reality, warp or rearrange space, and so on and so forth? The mind gem, which allows the user to enhance their mental and psionic abilities and access the thoughts and dreams of other beings? Or would you want the reality gem, which allows you to essentially do anything you want, make the normal the impossible or the impossible normal? 
You can create uh, anything that your, your heart desires. Or maybe you want the power gem, which allows the users to access and manipulate all forms of energy, enhance their physical strength and durability, etc., and so on. You can only pick one. Which one do you choose, Rodrigo? Um, I had to go with the Mind Stone. Ooh, okay. Why? Uh, I kind of feel like it would be difficult to get all the other stones to work without it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. If you, it's spoiler alert. If you have seen, uh, or if you haven't la, seen la, Infinity la, la, War, that is la, the la, very la. last one that he gets, mm-hmm. and I think it's because. You need that processing power to actually use the gauntlet when you have, when you can just like accidentally rip people's souls out of their bodies or whatever. Um, you you need a, a working CPU that's going to allow you to do that, and you can't do that without the Mind Stone. Um, furthermore, I think that, yes, creating your own reality and traveling through time is great, but I would just uh, like the ability of um like getting through like a really long boring movie without feeling the adverse effects of being bored like lock away the boredom and just watch it because everybody else is watching it and talking about it and i was like oh yes yes i saw that and did not fall asleep during it because i have the mind stone I know it seems pretty <laughs> mundane when like the ability to control reality is on the line but i don't care about that yeah, but if you um, could control reality, you could make the movie interesting. You could. Uh. But then I will have taken the work of someone who I didn't like and then like made it better for them. It's like oh, that doesn't okay, help there me. You there you go. Matthew, what about you? Which of the which of the six infinity gems would you like? See, this is the thing. I'm old. And I remember back when these things were just the soul gems. Yeah. And I remember that all of the gems, yeah, that's what it was. All of the gems, with the exception of the actual soul gem, which was in the possession of Adam Warlock, were held by elders of the universe. And one of the elders of the universe is the gardener. Mm-hmm. And the gardener is this weirdo guy who just wants to make things grow. And in so doing, he uses a particular gem to manipulate time and space to make sure that his plants can grow. And I'm like, that. I like that. So I chose the time gem because the thing is, I don't necessarily want to control the universe or change the universe. And I don't necessarily trust my subconscious to alter the universe because I know the dreams that I have when I'm not paying attention. And I would not wish those on anybody. Uh, even the good dreams about Ashley Graham and a bucket of yogurt are still not something that you want to wish on the universe. But the time gem would allow me to enjoy things that need a little extra. You know, have you ever wanted to do something just like, boy, I wish I could stay here for like 16 hours, but I have to be to work in 10 minutes? With a time gem, you can. Or let's say you go to work and you're like, boy, I sure wish that this eight-hour shift of people yelling at me felt like 10 minutes and just whooshed right by with a time gem you can and the best part is it gives you the ability to see things that have happened Mm -hmm. so if you say to yourself i want to know what happened in 1957 in the kentucky goblin incident you can in fact use the time gem to see what happened in 1957 
with the Kentucky Goblin incident. And then you can say to yourself, well, that's extremely depressing. That is in no way worth all the buildup that I've given it for the last 40 years. And that's why I've chosen the time gem for my personal gem. Also, it's yellow, which is cute. Well, in the movie, it's green. Um, What? Yep. You can't change the color of things. Haven't you seen Doctor Strange yet? Yeah, I saw Doctor Strange. I wasn't aware that was a time gem. That was the time gem. That's how he's able to rewind time, make the apple get all crusty and then make it new again. And how he's able to go in and do the whole looping thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hey Beavis. I also picked the time gem or the time stone or whatever you want to call it. Uh, mainly because of uh, total, total time travel. I want to be able to do that. Go back and fix something, see an outcome of something that's coming up in the future. Uh, go back and change something. Oh, that'd be so awesome. So the time gem is the one that I picked. I was really surprised uh, early on in this. Now, uh, early on in this, uh, the time gym was not up there in no. the, in the high point. And I was on TMS this week and I talked to Brian and Scott. Uh, Brian said he would take the time gym. I can't remember which one Scott said that he wanted. Maybe it was the space gym or the reality gym. Maybe it was the reality gym. Reality sounds right for Scott. Yeah. So what, what what's what's going on with our poll of the week this week, Matthew? As of right now, the time gem is winning, probably because you and I, in fact, literally because you and I, because it's at 30% of the vote with reality pulling up in a close second at 29, which literally means your vote and mine mean different. For the most, for this whole (laughs) thing, the reality gem or the reality stone has been leading this entire time. Uh, Damascus says, it's interesting to see how heavily favored the reality stone is over the others. It just seemed to me that while it would be nice to have the power stone and make myself stronger and destructible, I could do that with the reality stone. It just seemed the most uh, utilitarian 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 and versatile of the bunch. (laughs) There we go. Um, Utilitarians only eat utilities. Yes. Uh, Reality hands down, says Brinning Dragon Bread. Uh, I'm somewhat, uh, somewhat simple man. Uh, just let me make a timeline where I'm a super Sentai sixth ranger. Uh, any known actors are given the actual powers and I'll be content. Malone says probably reality. If I used, if used creatively, it can essentially do anything and everything. Uh, Bernard says I want unlimited power. Lieutenant Floby says I'll take the reality gem. Uh, Cebu the goblin says, oh man, I didn't realize there would be homework for this poll of the week and picks the space gem <laughs> instead. So a lot of the people who commented said they wanted the reality gym. And up until this afternoon, actually, probably later this evening, uh, mm-hmm. the reality gym was in the lead. But now it looks like the time is starting to pull ahead. Time, yeah, time keeps on slipping. Into time the is place. on their side. Yeah. 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 Listeners, yeah. you can cast your vote in the Major Spoilers poll of the week by heading over to Majorspoilers.com. Over there on the right column, there's the poll. Just click. Just vote. If you want to leave a comment, please do. We love reading your comments. It's all over there at Majorspoilers.com. All right. Into the last segment of the show this week. Kind of trying to rush a little bit because Rodrigo has to leave. Uh. We are looking at the three-issue collected series, The Harcourt Legacy from Action Lab Entertainment. And I'm still, three days after reading this thing, Mm -hmm. puzzling about it. Mm -hmm. Because on the one (laughs) hand... Uh, Edward Harcourt is dying and supposedly he has all of this arcane knowledge that he's been working with his sister over the years, trying to unlock true magic. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but he's been in a coma. People don't know how long he's going to live. So the family's been called in all the daughters, the brothers, et cetera, are there. And, uh, one of the brothers is like, Oh, look, there's this, uh, there's this rich rock and roll dude 
that is really into the occult and wants to buy this mansion and all of the occult artifacts that our uncle has collected over these years, we should sell it and we'll all be millionaires. We'll all be rich. Mm-hmm. And of course the uncle wakes up from his coma and he talks to Violet, the uh, daughter of one of the uh, nieces uh, in this story and says he wants to pass on to her the true meaning of magic or the true magic and not this, this fake stuff that everyone thinks that he, he knows. And they start jamming out to some Led Zeppelin tunes. <laughs> and then, uh, then the guy dies and, uh, everyone decides to go ahead and sell the mansion in the end. Everybody goes home. It's a little more complicated than that, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. It really, uh, cause this is the thing. I am a sucker for a story that sticks an ending that I didn't see coming. And I didn't see this ending coming. So I feel like on one level, the fact that they were able to put this story together and completely subvert my generous savvy expectations of where this is going. Well, where did you think, cool. where, where did you think it was going? Oh, I, I was almost certain that it was going to end up with some sort of sorceress battle between Violet and her aunt with the spirit of her dopa kind of hanging over them and, you know, being like, Violet, Violet, use the force. Mm, okay. Right. I was expecting kind of a hero's journey thing where we would, you know, you know what I was expecting? Lock and key. That's what, you know it, what? That's exactly <laughs> what I was expecting too. Yeah. And I, I didn't get that. To be fair, you really should never expect lock and key. Well, it's, but imagine, you know, it's, it's kind it's, of its own weird thing. Yeah, but, Nobody I mean, expects lock and key and or the Spanish Inquisition. Or Harry Potter. I mean, it's the same thing. Magical child uh, things, yeah. right? Where we're unlocking or discovering this world of magic that we never right. knew existed before. But before it can all happen, it's like, well, the right thing to do is, you know, my uncle has passed or my great great uncle has passed. Uh, the right thing to do is to sell everything off because people need this money and this money can be used right now for good things, or I can be selfish and stay here with my grandmother and have her teach me the ways of magic. Maybe. And maybe I'll learn some grand mysteries of the universe, which apparently my grand, my grand uncle has already told me. And, uh, I just need to expand upon that. So it does become a little bit, a little bit more different. Rodrigo, what were you, were you thinking the same way? Were you surprised at the ending of this or was this a, a story that you're like, yeah, okay, I can see where this is going. It is complicated. Uh, it is complicated. Uh, I actually had read this before. Um, I, I reviewed issue three on the, um, Oh, I remember that on the, on the podcast mm-hmm. a while ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, for me, I really love the art. I think the art and the character design are really fantastic. I think there's a lot here. And really the most disappointing thing about this is that you have a great protagonist. You have a great supporting cast. And it just kind of nothing happens. You know, yeah, it's like it just not it just ends with everybody just kind of being like, OK, we're, OK, well, yeah, I agree. We, we should do this. And then that just kind of happens. And, you know, there's a there's a panel where the grandma is like making like Emperor Palpatine hands at our protagonist and and literally nothing happens. <laughs> like what was she was she casting a spell or just trying to like physically stop her? It's like when we cut like she has a, a brief, 
little Obi-Wan moment. Actually, that happens before. So, yeah, even then, she, it's like she's she's doing scary hands at her. And then they just walk past her. And, yeah. like, did she yep. not even try to, like, I think the physically grandmother tried to stop do them? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, just, I guess. <laughs> I'm, I'm really confused right? about like, the ending. What does this ending mean? I mean, it, uh, we expect something in our stories, right? I mean, stories should have a really good mm-hmm. ending, something that brings meaning. And, and, I mean, there is a conclusion to this story. Um, but this yeah. is feels very much like an everyday slice of life story. Yeah, yeah. It's like the, it's like things that must have happened, right? It's like when you watch Harry Potter, you think to yourself, well, surely at some point there was some kind of mist or, or there was some kind of like real estate dispute between two wizards, mm-hmm. which was then solved amicably through paperwork. Right. Right. And it's like, well, sure, that must have happened, but why would we ever look at that? <laughs> I, it's hard because you really do have a moment in issue three, or in this case, about 60% of the way through the book, where our main character, where Violet comes to a realization and she says to the ghost of her dead grandfather, which, by the way, there are two actual magically inexplicable things that happen in this book. The ghost of the dead grandfather, which could be written off as a hallucination, and grandma hypnotizing uh, the lead singer of Led Zeppelin Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. into doing what she wants, which could also be just simple mesmerization. I mean, that's why the man Mesmer invented it. But she is talking to the ghost of her grandfather, and you're at this point where we've built this up, and there's this magical legacy and these weird artifacts and these things and oh look this magic album magically appeared that i never bought and i never owned before now and we get to a point where violet's like i understand now there is no magic is there and i'm like wait what (laughs) we're 80 pages into a story about a magical legacy and this is the point where she's like there is no magic and grandpa's like our uncle grandpa is like hey you know that album we listened to? Was that magical? She's like, yeah, I guess, kind of. And he's like, okay, well, there you go. Yeah, I don't, I just, so earlier this year, I read Oil by Upton Sinclair. It was written in the 1920s, 30s. 30s. And it's uh, loosely based on the Teapot Dome scandal and everything that went on with that. And it was the basis for There Will Be Blood, the movie that we reviewed a long time ago on Zach on Film. And I was like, oh, this is based on a book. I want to read this. And the ending to Oil is just like you're following this character and all the trials and tribulations that are going on in his life and how he's and all these other characters are passing into his life and these other things that are going on. And then these characters that are, I consider, somewhat tangential to the entire story, mm-hmm. uh, they both die. And then the story's like, and they died and they were buried here at the end. And it's like, <laughs> what, what about the rest of the scandal stuff? What about the things that, what about the commentary? What about bunny? What's supposed to, you know, what happens to him? And it's like, oh, all this time that essentially what I got out of it is, oh, all this time that you were reading about bunny and, and uh, expecting a commentary on the teapot dome scandal. No, no, this was really a story about these other two people who are dead. Goodbye. <sighs> And that's and. kind of how this felt. Now, Oil, Upton Sinclair, you know, highly regarded book uh, in literary circles, I'm sure. But Harcourt Legacy, the ending here just really kind of felt that way to me. It was just like, oh, am I missing something? Am I, you know, maybe this is a commentary on how 
you know, finding that one song is super magical. And once you discover the, 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 the magic of music, it can mm-hmm. do wonderful things to you. Right. Is that what I'm supposed One to get out to of this? likes to believe in am, the freedom of music. Am I supposed to be looking at, oh, everybody has to make a choice in their life, good or bad, and, you know, tough decisions have to be made, and here is a decision that was made? That could be an answer to this. Could it mm-hmm. be here's the last the last remnants of this family unit, uh, the the Opa, the Bopa, or whatever they were calling him? Bopa. Um, is this the, is this what happens when that key member of a family dies and the rest of the family just basically falls apart? Cause that's also what happens in this story. Um, I don't know, maybe yes to all of those. Yeah. And it is difficult because there's a clear expectation here and it really feels to me like they're almost making a statement about the the chosen one plot, the storyline that we've seen a thousand times. You know, the, oh, Harry Potter, you're a wizard, Harry. Oh, and then you have great adventures. But what happens here is the exact opposite. She finds out that there's a chance for this weird magical world, and instead she chooses to sell the legacy and to help her family. And I think what the intention is to say here is – those chosen one stories. Oh, ha ha. They're all so silly. And we've seen it a hundred times before, but I feel like the buildup to it in, you know, especially issue one and going into issue two built up for something different oh, yeah. than what we yeah. got. Yeah. 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 That's, that, that is what's so confusing about it is that it feels like, at, and it's hard to tell exactly where, but it really feels like it switches gears at some point. Like, it is setting you up for a pretty straight, like, oh, here's a magical teenage discovering her magical abilities kind of thing. And then it's like, well, wasn't the magic inside of us all along? And I feel like you can't have a slow burn into you're secretly a werewolf and Mm -hmm. also do, like, well, werewolves aren't real. You know, like, it's either, like, zero to 60 you're a werewolf oh wait are you actually crazy you've been crazy you're in a mental institution the end or oh look it's a quarter moon you feel very strange end of first chapter right like (laughs) you you can't do both because then otherwise nothing happens right and that I think that is what really happens here is aside from some emotional fireworks and some, you know, uh, some pretty heavy duty family fighty fighty and right. probable domestic abuse, nothing really happens. We don't really get any revelation. And there are some sweet moments. I mean, there's a moment where they find the secret underground cave where he keeps his most secret secret stuff and they listen to a record. And I'm like, this is going to have such great resonance later on when she calls upon whatever she's learning here from her uncle grandpa, but that doesn't happen because there's no, there's no climax. There's no denouement. There's no other things that say the same exact thing in the story. And if I were a cynical person, which I am not, if I were someone reading comic books for years and years and years, I would compare this to a comic book that, started off on an arc like say young heroes in love but got canceled midstream and had to shut it all down and 
quickly ran through some paces of here are some endings that may resemble the endings that we might have intended to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but I'm not sure if that's if that's a realistic expectation here either, because I, I mean I, three I issues. Think it, I think it kind of is because if you read the afterword, mm-hmm. um the I believe the author speaks to the difficulty of making comics and kind of that they kind of had this little story. So I feel like kind of the issue that we're running into here to, to just make a wild guess about somebody else's state of mind, Mm -hmm. um, that here are these characters, here's the setting, here's this idea that, uh, this, uh, that this writer has had for a long time, and that maybe ha- is something important in in his mind, uh, Brendan Cahill, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get three issues to do it. So this was the you know this was just kind of like taking a slice of that you know giant delicious cake that probably is the Harcourt legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, it's just like, it's just the frosting, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, you don't even actually get into the cake of it. And it's like, this is how you get that thing that you wanted to do done. You have to sort of strip it down to its barest of bones. You can't actually ever really get into an actual conflict through it. Um, and this is how you get to tell the story of Violet and her two magic grandpas. Yeah, grandpa, grandma. I I love yep. the art. I gotta say, I love the the line art from Jason Federin, Federin. Yep. and the Federin. the colors here from Josh uh, Burkham are fantastic. I really love yeah. the use of colors in this. So the art in this is really really good. There is a story here, but maybe I'm too dense to figure it out, or maybe the the author didn't signal it maybe as as much as it should have. Uh-huh. Um, I just, I feel like there's something here and I just can't dismiss this book yeah. as, oh no, don't read this. No. I think that this is maybe worth checking out and worth analyzing. And maybe, maybe this comic is like the, the mystery record that everyone is after. It's, <laughs> it's there if you listen to it and it's, yeah, right. it's kind of cool and there's a meaning in there, but man, not everybody gets it and not everybody wants it. And that's maybe, you know. Maybe that's the magic of this book. I don't know, uh-huh. uh, but I'm very split on this book. That's that's kind of my bottom thing. Is I am super split and torn on this on this Harcourt legacy. Yeah, there is a, a kind of an esoteric charisma to this that I really love, and there are moments in here that I feel are so well realized and so well put together that don't necessarily lead us to the place that I expect that they're going to go. And again, on the one hand, I feel like going somewhere unexpected is, is noteworthy is even praiseworthy because they are trying or have tried or accidentally came to a point where we all expected it to go to a place, but it didn't go there. And the story went somewhere else because that's what the creators wanted. And that I'm like, yeah, I'm on board with that. Right. Right. But also the place that it went just, I don't want to say wasn't interesting. It just wasn't anything. It was something where 
you know, we, we see the characters go off. We see that the parents are getting along better. Their money troubles are, are going to be lessened by selling off uh, Bopa's house and all of his magics and all of this stuff. And Violet seems happier because she's found the magic of the, the secret Led Zeppelin album. If you play it backwards, you know, that's, that's when you get the real magic. Because El Dorado played backwards is I snort the demon nose Lucifer bananas bananas. So is I this a, a buy it a skip it what, borrow it? What what is your recommendation there, Matthew? This is a grab it from the uh, library or someplace that allows you to read the book. See if you are into it, and then buy it if you are. It's I would buy re- it. It's relatively inexpensive. Yeah, um, I would say I would buy it, but I'm a weirdo. So so like volume one, if you get it on Comicsology, four ninety nine. Mm-hmm. If you get it on Amazon, I think it's like eight ninety nine. So it's 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 easy. I mean, it's inexpensive yeah, to it, buy. It's only three issues. At either long. of those price points, I would say this is a definitely a pick it up, look at it, analyze it, and even if it's not successful for you, it makes you think about things that a story does, and it makes you think about story and structure and character, and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, Rodrigo. Final thoughts. I really like the art in this uh, for me. And again, it's only a a three issue uh, trade. I think it's, it is cheaper. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's for me, it's worth picking up just on the art. I think, you know, it's like Violet is a very pretty girl and yet they don't just sort of same face her throughout the whole thing. You know, she has facial expressions. She, you can tell that she's angry. She's upset. She makes weird faces because she's a teenager and that's what teenagers do. Um, so just for the art, it's, it's worthwhile. So I would, I would pick it up just because I, I do just buy comics for the art. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely. I have that sense of like, you kind of have to pick one thing to subvert. If you subvert every possible magical teenager trope, then you kind of end up with just like a real estate dispute. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, if you are Brendan Cahill and you're listening to this and you want to clarify, please write to us podcast at major mm-hmm. Explain to us what the message was. If, if we're totally missing out on this, I would yeah. love to get some further explanation from you on this. We would always like to hear what we've missed. Oh yeah. And there are, I mean, there have been, uh, creators who have reached out to me who who have said, well, I'm, I appreciate your review of this. Uh, let me tell you where my thought was on this process and, and so on and so forth. Or someone will just say, Hey, you love the book. I'm, I'm grateful. Or somebody says, Hey, you hate the book. I'm sorry. Maybe read the next issue and maybe that'll change your mind. So, I mean, creators reach out to us all the time on this. So, uh, Mr. K hell, if you want to do that as well, uh, go right ahead. Uh, I think that wraps it up for this installment of the major spoilers podcast. Uh, thank you for being part of the major spoilers experience. And as always, remember, we do love your feedback. We want to hear from you. So hit the comment section at major spoilers. Tell us if we missed something that you think we should have picked up in Harcourt legacy or any episode, make sure you're sharing your thoughts and reactions. Give us everything you got kids. Or even better, send us an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. And don't forget, you can support this show and everything we do at Major Spoilers by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. We'll be back next week for more comic book and pop culture discussion, because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the man of steel. Yeah.
This podcast is copyright 2018 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.